Okay, so we are starting a new series tonight because it's February, and February is obviously the month of May, so says Hallmark, and so or month of May, the month of love, so says Hallmark. That ruined my joke a little bit, but that's fine because you guys have all uh, eaten a lot of chili and you're barely paying attention to me, and that's cool. So um, we are starting the new series, which is called By Any Other Name, which is from a Shakespeare poem, as you all know, uh, about love. Love by any other name. A rose by any other name is still a rose. Love by any other name is still a rose. Uh, love. Um, I want to talk about love this month and about what it means, about what people say it means, about how it's defined, about how we should define it, about how God defines it, which is most important. Um, to start with, I will say, love God, love others is something that I always say. It's something we talked about in confirmation today. It's something we've talked about a lot in youth, in church, all over the board. And that is the perfect idea of love. It's this unconditional love from God that we then show to God and to others. But then as we get into life, as you start to grow up, and all of you guys are middle school, high school now, um, you start to have other ideas of love, friendship love, romantic love, family love, all of these different things kind of come into play. And so I want to talk about it. And so I want to start with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verses 1 through 7. Uh, if I could speak all the languages of earth and of angels but didn't love others, I would only be a noisy gong or a clanging cymbal. If I had the gift of prophecy, and if I understood all of God's secret plans and possessed all knowledge, and if I had such faith that I could move mountains but didn't love others, I would be nothing. If I gave everything I have to the poor and even sacrificed my body, I could boast about it. But if I didn't love others, I would have gained nothing. So this is Paul talking. And Paul, as you know, uh, was not a good person for a lot of his life. He thought that he was serving God, or he said he was serving God, but he wasn't doing it out of love. He was doing it out of a checklist. And he's like... These guys are not doing what I, they need them to do, so I'm going to murder them. I'm going to arrest them. And so he went around doing that and killing people and hating people and doing all of these things that were completely against the God that he said he was serving. And yet he felt like he was doing the right thing because he was following the letter of the law. He was following the checklist. He was following the Bible except for the love stuff. Um, and so when he changed, when Jesus came to him and blinded him and converted him and gave him this chance to turn things around, he immediately started running around doing everything he could to, to love people, to help people, to, to show people who Jesus is because Jesus had forgiven him of all of the bad stuff he'd done and he wanted to go and tell people about that. And so in this little passage here, he's talking about love, but he goes further than just saying, hey, love is important. Love is a big thing. He says, um, he says, that nothing matters without love. You can go and you can serve. You can go and be a missionary. You can be a pastor. You can be a teacher. You can be a parent. Uh, you can be a prophet. You can be a writer. You could be a tennis player. You could be a trumpet player. You could be a band person besides trumpet. You could be whatever you could be in the world. And if you don't have love, if you don't feel love, if you don't show God's love, none of it matters. He literally says that I could have faith but without love, it's nothing. If I have faith in God and I have faith in people and I have faith in myself, but I don't love, then it's all going to die. Um, I would love to say that every Christian in the history of time has read this and been like, oh, that's so true. We've got to really go do love and we've got to follow the stuff that we need to follow, but we also have to love people and we have to have love at the heart of it. Unfortunately, because of politics and because of human nature and because of a lot of things throughout the history of the capital C church, uh, love gets taken out of a lot of things. Like it very much becomes, we'll do this or don't do this and you're out. 
Uh, if you don't do this, I hate you. If you vote this way, I hate you. If you don't vote this way, I hate you. If you're not exactly like what I think, I hate you. Um, I have had situations, not here, but in other places, where if you don't wear a tie, then you're not really a Christian. If you uh, have your hair made this way, then you're not really a Christian. If you watch this, if you read this, if you do this, if you act like this, not even in like a non-Christian way, but if you like act like you're happy or you like musicals or whatever else, like there's all these stupid things that are like, that makes no sense. But people will have this on a list and it's like, well, they're not really a Christian. Like they, they don't really love him. And people are like, well, but they follow Jesus and like they've been to the altar and they do all of these things. And the people who are like the legalistic, which is the term, will be like, well, it doesn't matter. They're not doing it exactly as they should. Now, Jesus went against the very idea of what the Pharisees were saying. He never broke any of God's laws. Never, none of them. But he did things differently. Uh, and in terms of like the Sabbath, for example, there were times that he healed on the Sabbath. And the Pharisees were right there to be like, dude, you worked on the Sabbath. And he's like, I'm helping people. If helping people is work, then what are you talking about? And he's like, you can't do it like this. One of my favorite things that he says, and he says it in Matthew, and he's talking of the Pharisees, um, you guys are, you guys know what a strainer is like used for spaghetti or other things. Yeah. So like you pour, you have like a big thing of spaghetti and water and you pour it through like the strainer and then only the spaghetti is left up here and then the water goes away. Yeah, exactly. Good. Yeah. And so, uh, he's like, you guys are sitting at the river and you're straining out like little bugs, but camels are getting through. And he's like, you're really messing up the thing because you're holding people accountable to these laws that you have decided are the most important, but you don't love them and you don't help them. And there are people dying in the streets. We talked last week or the week before about the Good Samaritan and how like the priest and the, the temple assistant both walked by the guy that was hurt. And they're like, eh, it's not my problem. Whereas the Samaritan who they hated, the Samaritan who nobody respected, stopped uh, even though he knew this guy wouldn't stop for him, and he helps him. And so Paul is talking about all of this, and he says, I could talk about everything I've ever done. I could sacrifice myself for the faith. I could do everything Jesus did. But if I don't have love at the heart of it, then it means nothing. I've gained nothing. And so that is, we're starting there because that is what actual love is. Like that is the total definition of love. God's love. God's love for us is the purest form of love. There is no other form of love that is as pure. That does not mean that your parents don't love you unconditionally because they do. It does not mean that I don't love you unconditionally because I do. It does not mean that other people don't love you, but God's love is based on nothing. Like it doesn't matter. You could literally turn against him every single day of your life and say bad things about him and never go to church. You're not going to get to heaven, but he would still love you completely. And so there's literally nothing you could do. Uh, probably there's nothing you could do to your parents, but I mean, they're probably like the parents of Jeffrey Dahmer probably struggled with loving him or Hitler's parents, stuff like that. Uh, it's probably a struggle at times, but God still loved them and it's nuts, but he does. And so that is where we get this idea of love. That is the ocean of love that we have. That is the ocean of love that we are. And then as humans, we just screw up the idea. Like over and over, we screw up the idea. Um, I have a charming idea is the title because I love Disney movies. I'll start there because I'm going to make fun of them, but it's from a love place. Like I love them. I've seen them all. They're awesome. I show them to Beatrice and she's learning them and she likes them and it's fun. But they really have no idea what love means. And I say a charming idea because to start with Cinderella, um, the whole idea of Cinderella is this true love that exists because uh, the prince sees her and he's like, oh my gosh, you're so beautiful and so perfect and I love you so much. And then the next day he's like, I forget what she looks like. I have to go try the shoe on everybody else. And so it's like, yeah, you can't really build love in that moment. 
uh, to pick on Shakespeare, who I also love. Romeo and Juliet is not about love. It's about obsession. And they meet each other once, and then they basically kill themselves to stay together, and it's bad. Like, if you kill yourself uh, to, because everybody else is like, you shouldn't love each other, that is wrong. I will stand there. Um, and so, again, with Disney, like Snow White, he falls in love with her while she's basically a corpse. Uh, and so it's like there's no relationship there. Uh, Eric falls in love with Ariel just because she looks good. It's, and so Disney kind of equates true love to looks and to attraction. There's nothing wrong with attraction because as humans we feel attraction and it happens. But to define love by that is not how it works. And unfortunately, we do that. And then you grow up thinking that. And it's not that Disney is trying to screw you up, because they're not. They just are putting out movies that are cool and, and make money. Uh, and other rom-coms and stuff. I pick on Notebook a lot, which I like the Notebook. But again, if Ryan Gosling looked like me, it's a creepy movie as opposed to an awesome movie. And so it's like you have this guy who breaks up this other marriage uh, and like is super obsessed with this girl for his whole life and then screws up her marriage, who's a nice guy. Like it's not like he was a jerk, uh, but he's super hot. And so it's okay. And so it ends up okay. Uh, and so that's how we see love. And so we, again, associate love with looks and we associate love with attraction and we associate love with feeling good. That is not at all what love is. Love is this understanding that it's okay, understanding that you're safe with this person. And so I'm going to read the definition of love here. Um, love is patient and kind. And I'm going to stop between these as opposed to reading it all straight like I usually do. Love is patient and kind. Whether it's romantic or parent or brother, sister or friend, love must be patient and kind. That does not mean that 100% of the time everyone who loves each other is always patient. Because all of you, I believe, have siblings. I'm going to guarantee that you do love your sibling, even though some of you will be funny and shake your head no, blah, 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 but you do. But I guarantee you that at some point you've lost your patience with them. Uh, in fact, I could ask you to list the times that you have lost your patience with your sibling or with your parents or your parents have lost. The, or you, uh, Elizabeth actually gave me a 20-page paper earlier about the time she's lost patience with Zach. But it's uh, all of these times are people uh, like your, your friends, your family, your parents with you. Like we lose our patience sometimes. And so when he says love is patient and kind, it's not like, a, oh, this is perfect. It's always going to happen. It's we have to try for this. And when you realize you're being impatient, when you realize you're not being kind, you have to fix it. Fake love, the love of the world is you give me what I need and I'll be nice to you for a while. Uh, he goes on, love is not jealous or boastful or proud. Again, these are human emotions, so you're going to feel them at other times. But it goes back to the heart of it, and it's like, oh man, I'm being jealous, I need to stop this. Why am I being jealous? Is this a real thing? Like, it, does that mean that I know that I'm not in the right relationship? Does that mean that I know that, that something is wrong here? And so you have to really look into it. Uh, or rude, it does not demand its own way, it is not irritable, um, and keeps no record of being wronged. I will say this now, I'll talk about relationships a little bit tonight, but I will say this now. Anyone who ever says to you, uh, and I'm speaking specifically in a relationship context here, but it goes across the board. Whoever says to you, you must do this for me to love you, will never love you and they do not love you. That is not love. That is a transaction. That is attraction or whatever, trying to own you. Telling someone, you have to do this for me to love you. It's not true. That is basically like if I said, you guys have to be here every single week for me to love you. Not true. You could never come here again and I would still love you. After a couple years, I'd probably forget your names, but I'd still love you. Just show me. Oh, it's not a, that's not a point. I would still love you. But it's like your parents, same thing. Like, they still love you. But anybody, and we see this sometimes, you see it in movies and TV and in real life, you probably know somebody who's been in a bad relationship. Um, 
I'll talk to that in a second, but uh, somebody who's been in a bad relationship, and it's like, well, you have to do this. You have to go here. You have to skip this. You have to change this, or I won't love you. That's not love, and they're never going to love you. The line will keep moving. It will keep moving, because you will change that, and then it's like, okay, I love you for a while. Ah, but now you have to change this. And it's trying to change you. Nobody should be able to change you. Uh, and so that's what it says by demanding its own way. Like, you can't demand your own way. You love somebody or you don't love them. That's how it works. That does not mean that love can't grow, because it can but it can't grow because of a transaction. It can't grow just because of attraction. It can't grow just because somebody is constantly changing for somebody else. Um, I will tell the story now. So when I was in Seymour, I coached girls tennis. And there was a girl who was just a wonderful girl. Um, she was very smart. Like she was an honor roll student, uh, made straight A's. She was on the number one or number two doubles team, depending on the week. And she was doing really well there. Uh, she was uh, big in her church and like she was involved in a lot of stuff. You can picture that type of person. Like she was very into everything. She started dating this guy who on the surface said he was a Christian. He was a drug dealer. And so he was also sleeping around with a lot of different people. She didn't believe it because she thought he was hot. And so they start dating. Um, she starts changing. Like her grades start dropping a little bit because so often, boys and girls, so often we think if I can just get them to go to church this one time, then it'll be fixed. Like, I can fix them. Uh, I believe Olivia Rodrigo has a song about fixing somebody. And yeah, I know. And. True. So, uh, so anyway, it's about like, I can fix them. So it's like, you think, well, I'm gonna start dating them and I know that they're not a Christian yet, but I'll start dating them and then I'll get them to church and they'll become one. It's always going to be so much easier to not go to church than it is to go to church. Like there's always, it's just easier. Like everybody thinks that. Everybody knows that. And so this girl, she, her grades started slipping a little bit because she'd be out later and they'd do some stuff. Uh, she wasn't, their tennis didn't super get affected, but she'd miss practices here and there. She stopped going to church pretty much. Well, one day, what, no, one day, no. Although that is obviously the most important part of the story. One day, uh, her friend is like, yeah, he's cheating on you. And you know how it is. People don't want to hear what they don't want to hear. And so she takes her to this person's house, another person that they know, a girl that they know, and she's like, call him. And so he like comes out shirtless from this person's house, and she's like, I'm breaking up. And so they break up. Two weeks later, they're back together because he's like, hey, hey, I'll change. And it's like constant. It was the love that they had was not based on actual love. It was based on attraction. It was based on what could happen. And she was the one who ended up changing. And, and that happens all the time. Everybody that heard that story is like, that's so stupid. Like, I would never be like that. But we all kind of find ourselves geared that way sometimes. It's like, well, you know, I, I don't have to change everything. I'll change a little bit. Like, I'll just change a little bit now. Well, then it's like, I'll change a little bit now too, and I'll, I'll change a little bit now too. And so you started over here, and eventually you're standing over here. And it changes, and it changes, and it changes. And so, again, I say, anyone who demands you change or tells you, do this, blah, 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 go here, blah, 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 in order for me to love you, they do not love you. You will never be able to get their love. And you don't want it, to be honest. Uh, it does not rejoice about injustice, but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is never hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. That does not mean that... So you should give people second chances. and let, If they hurt you, they abuse you, they do something horrible to you, you should forgive them, yes, let it go, yes. But in terms of going back out with them or being their best friend, you don't have to do that. So when it says love never gives up, it's not saying, oh, well, I've got to keep trying. Like, this sucks. Like, every single day... Uh, she punches me in the face, and like I still have to keep going back. And, and man, Tara is just so mean to me sometimes. 
and uh, and I've got I've got like this is Rob talking, and it's like man, I just get beat up every day and all this stuff, and, and people think that, but that just means that that's not actual love. Like you're allowed to give up on situations. Uh, forgiving someone doesn't mean allowing them to control you, to change you, to hurt you. It means that real love is what you're looking for. True love is what you're looking for. Um, and so the last part of the scripture here, and then I'm going to get into an idea that I talk about every year. Uh, 1 Corinthians 13, 11 through 13. When I was a child, I spoke and thought and reasoned as a child. But when I grew up, I put away childish things. Now we see things imperfectly, like puzzling reflections in a mirror. But then we will see everything with perfect clarity. Uh, all I know now is partial and incomplete, but then I will know everything completely, just as God now knows me completely. So how you feel when you're like in kindergarten about things, about what you think, about what you like, about what you love, about what love means to you, should change by the time you're like 11, 12, 13. How you feel then will change by the time you're like 20, 21, 22. How you feel then will change somewhat by the time you're 30. This does not mean that when you're a kid or when you're a teen, that, that what you feel is not actual love. It is. Like if you feel it, it's real. What I'm saying is your understanding of what you deserve, your understanding of what should happen, uh, that changes over time. As long as you get close to Jesus and you give him the love and he loves you, then you start to realize, oh, I actually deserve actual love. Like I don't have to change myself. I don't have to be something that I'm not. I deserve to find something real. And it's hard sometimes because some of you guys are around dating age. Some of you guys aren't there yet, but you're all in kind of the range. And so you're probably starting to see friends and stuff date. And maybe right now it's like, who cares? But as time goes, and maybe you have like these standards and you have this list. It's like, this is what I want in a husband or a wife. And I'll talk about that in a second. Uh, and so I'm going to hold out for that, even though I'm not ready to get married yet, obviously. Uh, and you're like, man, everybody else has a date all the time. This sucks. I'm kind of lonely. And so it becomes easier to like, I'll just try this. Well, this is where I get with the tennis girl that I was talking about. When I say you should know what you want, who you want to marry, I don't mean that the first person you date you're going to marry. That's probably not going to happen. It does sometimes, but it's very unlikely. It doesn't mean that you have to go into every date or every relationship looking to marry them. What I mean is you should never date someone who is off of that list. Because those qualities, you want them for a reason. And so unfortunately, a lot of people, and this girl was one of them, a lot of people will have like, well, this is what I want in a husband. But right now, I don't care. I just want to have fun or I just want to do this. The problem is once feelings get involved, then love grows, even if it's unnatural, even if it's wrong, even if it's harmful, even if it's abusive, like it still grows. And so it's harder to break away. And then what you want changes and you start to change. And so that list kind of goes away. So dating someone who fits your qualities is what you should do. Again, it doesn't mean you have to marry them the next day. It's like, well, this is what I think is right in a person. And so this is what I deserve. This is what I'm going to hold out for. Um, the other thing that I want to talk about and the other thing that is hard, there's an idea that I have that I've talked about for years and years and years called the ladder. And so the ladder is one of the big things that I talk about. Rob loves it when I talk about it. And it's like this big thing. Um, and it goes to dating. And so I'm going to go with, let's say, little Rob and Tara. When they're little and young and they're going on their first date. And it's like the sweetest thing in the world. And Rob is so nervous. He's got like a gray sweatshirt on and he's got like pit stains that go all the way down to his jeans. Like he is so nervous to pick her up. And so he sprays some Febreze on and he goes and picks her up and they go to the movies and they go to see, well, I'm just going to say Cinderella because that's the only movie in my mind right Aladdin. now. Okay, Aladdin, sure. And so they go to see Aladdin, which is for some reason in theaters again. And, and so he's sitting next to her 
and it's their first date, but they've been talking for a while, they've been building up to this, and he's not paying attention to the movie at all, because he's just watching her hand on the armrest, and he's like, should I touch it? Can I hold her hand? And he's like moving over a little bit, but he's really sweaty. And so he'll like do like this and wipe him on his pants. And now his pants are all the same color as his shirt pit stains. And he's like so nervous and so scared. And then he slides it over a little bit and she's not moving her hand away. And he's like, okay, okay, this is meant to be. And then he finally like they touch pinkies and fireworks go off. It's almost like the, the movie theater erupts in applause and they just grasp hands. And it's gross and sweaty and everything, but they don't care because this is the first time they've ever held hands. And it's magical and it's special and it's important. And they're so happy. Second date, they hold hands immediately because they've done it. You can see where I'm going with the ladder. They hold hands immediately. So now the big thing is uh, kiss, first kiss. And so they go, they get to the third date or so, and they've held hands every time. They immediately just latch hands, uh, even if they've just had ice cream or something. So it's really gross. It's not, it's not sanitary, but it's fine. And so uh, they hold hands, and now they go on another date. They go to a drive-in, and then they go to a steakhouse, because Rob's really pouring it out there. Like, he really wants to show his best self. And by steakhouse, I mean McDonald's, and they got a steak burger somehow. And so, because steak and shake's gone, unfortunately. So, uh, and so... Uh, afterwards, he like walks her up to the house, and his mom's waiting in the car. And he walks her up to the house, and he's, she's like playing with her keys a little bit. And he's standing there on the doorstep, and he's like sweating. His heart's beating so loud he can't hear anything. Uh, there's like sirens all around him, and he doesn't know because all he can hear is his heart beating. And she's there, and she's looking at him. And he goes 90. And she goes 10, and they kiss. And it's magical. And it's the most special moment of all time. And again, birds fly out of their ears and like sing. And there are mice everywhere shooting off fireworks. And everything is so beautiful and magical. And it's the first kiss. And they feel so in love. And they know this is perfect. Next day, they kiss right away because they've done it. This is what the ladder is. And this is why it's so important to have that list of who you should be with. And if you are a Christian, the number one thing on that list should be someone who believes. Someone who believes like you. If you're not a Christian, it should still be someone who believes like you, who shares your values, who shares your morals. Because that is vital as you go down the line. And so, because the ladder is legit. And so eventually you're going to like work up your way, you're going to hold hands. Well, after you've held hand once, it's not that special anymore. So you're going to do it every single time. And then you work up to kissing. Well, after you've kissed that first time, then you kiss a lot. And so you're kissing every single time. And then it goes up and up and up. And I'm not going to keep going, but you understand how the ladder works. It's you always start where you stopped. And that's why it's so important to have these awkward conversations with whoever you're dating, even at the beginning. Like, hey, I got a line. Like, I have a, a more, I believe in Christianity, and I want to save myself, or I want to hold myself. I want to have this standard. Do you? And if they're like, nah, we'll see. No, because that's not how it works, because you're going to feel those magical moments that little Robin, little Tara felt. Like, you're going to feel that. Your heart's going to explode. Not literally, hopefully, but your heart's going to explode. Fireworks are going to go off. And so you have to be together in faith and in belief. And if you're thinking, well, that's not fair. Christians shouldn't date other people. That's not fair to other people. It, it, it's also unfair to other people for Christians to constantly be saying, hey, you coming to church yet? Hey, you coming to church yet? Hey, you know what? We've been dating for like three months. You have to come to church. Like, that's not fair either. You're trying to change them. Now, obviously, getting them to go to heaven is a better change than them getting you to like go to the bar or something. But still, 
it's like changing them. So that's why you should only start dating, period, people who have your same faith, who have your same values, who have your same morals, who have that same kind of list. And again, you don't have to say, hey, I got a list of who I want to marry. You want to be on it? That's weird. So you don't start there. But you just, in your mind, like, is this something, am I just attracted to this person? Do I just want to go out on a date because everybody else my age is? Do I just want to have somebody? Or is this something that I really want to try? Like, is this going to make me better? Is this going to make me a better person? And believe me, I am someone who is like 95 and not married. It is hard to have standards sometimes. It is hard to watch everyone else you know get married, have kids, to watch teens. Like, I'm doing Caden's wedding next week. Like, it's hard to watch teens that you used to minister to get married get married and you're like doing the wedding and on the one hand it's exciting on the other hand you're like man they're like 35 years younger than me and it's hard but you have to be happy with who you are you have to love yourself you have to understand what love is and if you go into it with this twisted idea of love like you had when a kid or like a movie or whatever it's not going to work for long and it's going to be hard and it's going to break and it's going to to just hurt both of you so be real with what love is and look for the definition of how God defines love, not how the world does, not how movies does, uh, do, not how any of that. Love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous, boastful, or proud. It does not demand its own way. All of those things matter. And as you grow, as you pay attention to the ladder, as you pay attention to your list, as you pay attention to what love really is, then you're going to realize, hey, you know what? I feel Jesus in this. I feel him in this. And you're not going to be perfect. You're not. Because there is forgiveness, and it's okay. But do your best so that you and whoever else you may share your heart with is going to be going in the right direction and doing it together, doing it with Jesus, having this relationship that is not just about attraction, not just about the short time, not just about fun, but, but about actually trying to build each other up, actually trying to be patient, actually trying to grow, actually trying to be better. And that is what love is. And no matter what happens, no matter how many times you get dumped or dumped, no matter how many times you lose a friend or, or get stopped as a friend, whatever, no matter how many times something bad happens, know that nothing can ever separate you from the love of Christ. He will love you unconditionally no matter how many times you mess up. So accept that too and then go forward doing your best to, to be like him. That's all I got.